Welcome to Hello Easton PA. I'm your host, Mark Nutting. I'm the owner of Jiva Fitness, an author, business consultant, former actor, dancer, martial artist, superhero, musician, and I love to connect with others. This podcast is a way for me to share the stories of the people I meet in my adopted hometown of Easton, Pennsylvania. Hi, this is Mark Nutting, and it is Pride Month. And this month, I thought I'd, I'd be interviewing uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community that are business owners here in Easton. And today I'm talking with DJ Brad Scott. Hey, Brad. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, thank you for coming. DJ, you've been a DJ for how long now? Almost 10 years. Yeah. And can you describe your business? You have a lot of regular gigs set up. You have a lot of special events. Uh, how would you describe your business? If you were, this, this is a sales pitch or make believe it's a sales pitch. So I've started, I'm sort of morphed from being just a DJ into DJ, event planner, marketer, host. Yeah. I've, I've worn many hats now. So when you hire me or DJ Brad Scott, you are getting a person that does all those things. So I do all my own marketing. Right. I put on all my events, I create the themes, I hire other people, and then I do the music. So yeah. there's a, basically I'm the event planner. Yeah. So when you hire me, I come with like 10 years experience of hosting all my own parties. What made you want to become a DJ? So I've always been into music. I mean, I remember as a kid, going and buying records from the record store for the album covers. Like yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. it no, was always because of the back, art that back I was, in the day, the right. album covers for everything. It was the album covers that I always picked it. But then when I started getting into the skateboarding and the alternative scene, my, I knew that was the music that attracted me, that mm -hmm. underground sound. And I started going to shows, concerts, and I just obsessed over music all the time. I would yeah. make mixtapes. From an early age, remember the mixtape? I, I, yeah. oh, yes, I would I do. do the artwork on them. I put a lot of time into them. I got where I started blending them together. So I didn't know I was making myself into a DJ then, but essentially I was starting the path towards becoming a DJ. Yeah. And then I was clubbing in New York. I was following DJs and always obsessed with how they did what they were doing, the equipment that they were using, what records they were playing, what records they were buying, where they were going. Until eventually when I moved here, I moved here to run a record store. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. use grooves. Right. And we had turntables in the store and I had access to this equipment and I just started playing and practicing. And that sort of opened the door for me to start DJing parties around town. Now you were you mentioned as you were talking about that that you you started to get into the underground sound. Yes. And is that what your you would how you would describe the music you play these days? Sort of I you know I I play the records that other DJs don't play a lot of times. I I look for interesting cuts and deeper cuts. I look for things that really kind of 
feel authentic. Pop music a lot of times doesn't feel authentic to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't been a big fan of like the hip hop music since the 80s and yeah. 90s, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, the underground stuff is really what appeals to me the most and all the retro stuff. That seems to be what I do the most. Mm -hmm. When people come to my events, they know they're going to hear disco. They know they're going to hear new wave and they know they're going to hear some like house and underground club stuff. You know, when I'm doing my regular parties and then when I do Coven, of course, that focuses all on the alternative dark wave yeah. music yeah. and that stuff I love. Okay. Is, so that, that is kind of your, your, your right. real house. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. I, I believe there's good music and bad music. So what is, what is bad music? So bad music to me is what I was saying about inauthentic music, right? It's, it's manufactured, it's formulaic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel, it feels like they just made it to sell you that record. It doesn't feel like yeah. there's any art or soul behind it. Okay. And that can be anything. I mean, that could be even like goth music could be manufactured and sound bad or pop music that's manufactured and bad. Yeah. So I look for the stuff where the artist really feels like he put effort into making something unique and original. Yeah. That's the music that I, appeals to me the most. Okay. Cool. The, now, I obviously have listened to you. I, I have become a regular at Bingarama. Right. On Tuesday nights with you and yeah. Carol Ann Carol Ann uh, at the Lafayette. The, uh, and, and that's a lot of old music you're playing at the time with with a lot of you know mixed really differently you know yes because there's not an expectation to make people dance at bingo so <laughs> right which is good not, not that they couldn't not that they couldn't but that's it's freeing for me as a dj to not have to have to get people onto a dance floor and to have to make them dance i get to play all these other songs that I love that are sort of campy mm -hmm. and uh, maybe ones that people had forgotten about. I get to yeah. unearth them and bring them back. Uh, and so I get to play off Carol Ann with that. Yeah. When I know that there's some stuff in there, like if I bust out, like I Got You Babe by Sonny and Cher or something, right. or yeah. the nine to five dance remix I have. Yeah. So that I get to play those fun songs like that. This brings up an interesting point, which is, you know, the, the, the difference between something, an event like that and uh, a dance event. Right. Um, in a dance event, you know, the, the pressure is to get them on the dance floor and keep them on the dance floor. And how do you go about deciding what to play for that? And how, how do you do that? Yeah. So that is always a uh, challenge, right? It's a fun challenge. And it's one I take on gladly. I look around to see what they've been responding to with mm -hmm. the music so far. And usually there's a theme or there's a style or there's a particular place I'm playing. And I, with my experience of playing on those places, I understand kind of like the music that they respond to. Mm-hmm. But I do have some like go-to hits to get them on the floor, like when they're not. And a lot of times it's like Human League, Don't You Want Me. Like oh, yeah, that yeah, one, yeah. like for some reason, that one connects to everybody. That's funny. Madonna connects to everybody. Yeah. Um, and then, so 
Yeah, you so, to, you, so you get some up there. Yeah. You, you get a couple that got them on the dance floor and you you try something, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't quite work, and then it sends you in a different direction, possibly. Right, like there's a, a ebb and flow with that. So there's some where I'm watching everybody on the dance floor and I'm seeing how they're reacting to the music. And I want to keep building the energy level up every single track. Mm -hmm. So that way they're constantly engaged. Because when I see people starting to go to their phones mm -hmm. or sort of start to drift off to the sides of the dance floor, I know that I need to like reel them back in. Yeah. So either I have to put in something a little bit more familiar or something that's like a real energizing banger of a tune. Do you think that your ability to track and follow and, and engage them is what makes you stand above other DJs? That and my history, right? So I, I have 10 years history in town that people know me for the music I play and the parties I go to. So I, I, I do have a bit of an advantage where people come to me for the different kind of experience. They, they're coming to me to usually hear new music yeah. and to hear stuff that they don't necessarily know. And then I, I, I throw them some bones and throw some stuff that they know and they can sing along to and things like that. But I, they do come to me to hear new music. Okay. And that, which is good. And that's what kind of sets me off from some other DJs that just play the pop stuff and the top right. 40 stuff. Yeah. Right. So people don't come to my shows to hear top 40 music because right. I won't play it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you know, let's, let's talk about you a little bit more. Okay. And you, you've been doing this 10 years now. 10 years. And you've sort of been brought up, sort of growing into it the whole time. Right. What did you do before? Oh, you had the record store. Yes. So what, I had the record. What's your, what's your, what was your career path is actually, you know, your, <laughs> your working history? So, um, my first job was in a shoe store when in high school. <laughs> and so then when I moved to New York City, I went to fashion school and I worked in clubs and retail yeah. clothing. And I did that all through the 90s. And then I moved to the South and I became a bartender. And then I South got, being Southern United States? Yeah, Georgia oh, okay. specifically. And so then I became a bartender and industry uh, work like that, restaurant yeah. work. Yeah. And that's kind of how I traveled the world too, was bartending, which is great. Uh, and then when I moved up here to run the record store, that's when I started this new path. Are you from Easton? Are you from this area? No, I'm from Indiana originally. Okay, yeah. So how did you find Easton? Well, that kind of found me, I guess. I had been traveling ever since I left Indiana when I was 18. I've been just wandering around the United States and uh, the South Pacific. And my last place I was living before here was Atlanta, Georgia. And a buddy of mine was opening a record store and he knew I was just sort of like lost down mm -hmm. there and not really doing anything. Yeah. And he said he was opening a record store and he wondered if I would be interested in moving up here to work at it and help him with it because he knew my history with music and he knows how social I am and what a talker I am. So I'm really good at like networking and marketing mm -hmm. stuff. So he brought me up here to work at the record store. Okay. 
And that's how I found Easton. So I didn't know about it at all. I'd never heard of it in my life. Yeah. The, uh, how long did the record store last? It lasted. It closed shortly after. I mean, I moved here in 2015. I think it closed shortly after that. Yeah, it was, it lasted three years in Easton. Yeah. And then, uh, then it moved to Southside Bethlehem. And then that's when I left because the energy had changed and that was a terrible location. And I don't really want to speak bad of them, but um, we had irreconcilable differences at that point. Sure. You know? So did you, uh, from the record store, did you immediately jump into the DJing? Well, through the record store, I made all the connections with uh, bars and other venues. And my very first night I started was, well, was the Vinyl is for Lovers, which was at Drinkies downtown. And it was just Mm -hmm. a... Wednesday night, all vinyl show that I would do. And then I was invited to do the Easton Tea Dance. These guys were starting it, and they asked me to come in and be the DJ for it. So after I had those two under my belt, and I started having a good reputation for pulling those things off, that's when I started seeking out more DJ gigs. Yeah. And then the transition from the retail daytime gig to the DJ nighttime gig just sort of was a very smooth transition. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they went hand in hand. The sure. record store introduced me to everybody to get the DJ gigs yeah. and gave me the reputation. Yeah. So you started picking up regular gigs. Regular uh, the the T dance at Two Rivers. Right. And uh, you've been when the, they've been doing that for a long time. It'll be nine years in September. Yeah. So you've been doing it all nine years. Every other Sunday for nine years, we've been doing that party minus the weird lockdown time. Oh, sure. Yeah, that kind of right. threw everybody off. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even know if we should count that stuff, but we still did outdoor tea dances. Mm-hmm. When once they let us do outdoor events again that summer, right. yeah. we did them outside. Yeah. So we kind of kept it going. So uh, once you mentioned the other regular gigs you have going on. I know there are a lot of special events, but I mean, the regular one things where people can always find Brad Scott. So everybody can find me every Tuesday at Bingo Rama with Carol Ann at the Lafayette Bar. There's another monthly event that's going to be five years old this year, and that's my Coven Dark Wave Dance Party. Yeah. And we are moving that to the Lafayette Bar now starting this Saturday night. So I will be there. And that was at Black and Blue? It was at Black and Blue. Yeah. So, yeah, but there were some things that changed over there. So we had to like change. So I moved it over to the Lafayette and they were happy to take us because that has such a big following and good group of people. So then I'm there once a month. Coven is once a month. Once a month. Yeah. I'm in Asbury Park once a month at the Paradise Nightclub. I'm in Wilmington, Delaware at Bar 13, the fourth Thursday of every month. So I have a lot of regular gigs now. Yeah. The first Sunday of every month, I'm in New Hope. So getting around. Yeah. Starting to get around, yes. Yeah. The, now you're still working other projects and, and trying new things and, and exploring, exploring, you know, right. the scene. Yes. So I 
there's always new music that inspires me that doesn't necessarily fit into bingo or coven or the Easton tea dance. So I do these sort of one-off parties to satisfy that desire to play this other type of music. So like recently I did a party called Bella Morte that was like a dark disco synth wave night. And that was super popular, but then we lost the venue. So now I have to like find a new home for that one. Right. Yeah. Um, so I do events like that. And then, you know, I do a lot of the pride events around town and I always get asked to do those. But you also, I mean, you're, you were instrumental in getting the, uh, pride flag raised. Yes. East and- yeah. Yes. Uh, I believe that with my platform comes a responsibility to giving back to the community and doing service for other people, social justice, yeah. climate justice. Because right. I have a voice and people listen to me and I have a good reputation. So I approached the mayor about having a pride flag raising for the month of June. And uh, they said yes, and we coordinated it together. And yeah, we had the first inaugural one. Yeah, and, they, and uh, as I understand the next council meeting, they. Uh, instituted that june will be officially pride month in easton the proclamation yes yeah Yeah. Yeah. and uh the mayor gave me a copy of it actually yeah that's great so you because you have this platform you you were saying that you have feel like you have a responsibility to to help in you know social justice kind of kind of things so pride is part of that but you're, you're also a vegan yes and animal rights absolutely and tell me a little bit how that happened for you well, I, I guess I got to, I have to credit Amber, who worked with me at the record store. She was vegan. And being around her and we would talk about veganism all the time. And eventually I was just, I got, I became more engaged and more aware of like the problems that were going on with factory farming and mm-hmm. the uh, animal agriculture in America and well, around the world, but primarily here because we live here. So I went vegan almost eight years ago now. And as I got more into it, that's when I started doing more activism for it. Yeah. And getting involved with animal rights charities, uh, the Animal Rights March in New York City, uh, art fundraisers for uh, pit bull rescues, like things like that. I got really involved in. Yeah. What other kinds of projects are you working on that are other other social things you're working on? Or tell me more about your life. So sobriety is like a really big part of my life now. I wasn't sure you wanted to bring that up. But, but oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It. I'm very proud of my sobriety because yeah. I was a mess. For many I, years. I was going to ask whether it was a, oh. whether it went along with the understanding, you know, the health of your body better or whether it was just, you went down, downhill. It, it, there was both. There was a, there was a crossover between the two. Once I went vegan and be getting a little, I, I got a little preachy with the vegan, mm-hmm. but then I would get called out by people cause I was still like smoking or doing drugs. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I can't be a hypocrite. So January 28th, 2018, I just quit smoking, drinking drugs all yep. at once and animal products. Yeah. So no one could say anything. Right. <laughs> right. Now, don't give them anything. Covered. Yeah. Don't give them anything to give you a hypocrite because they will call you out on it. Um, and 
So the sobriety became very important to me. And I didn't realize it because at first I was just doing it for me. But then people were reaching out to me and they were inspired by it because they wondered how I was still being a DJ, still in that nightlife world, but staying sober. Because people love to go out and they love to dance. But, you know, if you have addictions and problems, that's a hard world to navigate Mm -hmm. because it's based around it's like hedonistic and letting yourself go and you have these moments and it's great for some people that can just go out and have a moment and then go home and be done with it but then for some of us we just can't let it go and now we have to do it otherwise we don't have a good time or whatever the the addiction level you are at is yeah so for me now I'm so vocal about my sobriety that it's inspiring other people. And the Bradbury Sullivan Center this year asked me to DJ the very first sober dance tent at Pride. So now, like, that was so exciting to me. And I'm really excited to do it. I don't know who's going to come or how many people will show up. But the fact that, like, it's inspired them to, like, do this to our community that's really afflicted by addictions because of like all the negativity that surrounds our community most of the time that we're going to have a dance tent completely sober, smoke-free, you know, for me to DJ at. It's like full circle sort of thing. Right. Uh, That's an interesting thing too is, is, I mean, and you, you said this, I mean, it, when, when I, you know, I, I talk to business people in general and we talk about their niche uh, you know, everybody should have a, you know, this is what I do. This is my specialty. Right. Because when you, when you have that brand and, uh, and they, they look at that brand and some people will go, not for me, but other people are going to go, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Right. You know, and that's, you know, it, it sounds exactly like that with you because the brand Brad Scott, um, includes, you know, sobriety includes veganism it includes, you know, good music, you know, all those things, and and people are going to latch onto that, and that's I think what that's what you're seeing is people who who have those needs of there's somebody to lead the way, right, or to show me how, or to at least support me. Yes, and those people like are very important to me. Yeah. And I, I have that, and that's where it goes back to what I was saying about I have this platform, I need to use it responsibly. Yeah. And that's what separates me from other DJs. You know, yeah. some DJs are just in it just for the party and just to DJ. And that's great. I'm not, it doesn't make me better or whatever than them. But for me, that's what makes me stand out from the rest is that I do have this platform and I, I want to use it yeah. to make things better for people and create welcoming, inclusive environments for everybody. So you're you're not the only one who's vegan and and sober. Your partner is as well. Yes, yeah. Jay is also vegan. He's been vegan for twelve years. Oh, I think okay. almost thirteen. So, and then so you met a vegan at a vegan restaurant. No. <laughs> okay. We, we don't we don't need to go there. <laughs> we uh yeah so. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, Jay and I, uh, our relationships, it, yeah, I've, I love that guy. And uh, we sort of connected right away once we first met. And 
the more times that we hung out, the more we figured out like, oh, you're vegan, I'm vegan. And you like horror movies. I love horror movies. And, you know, the sobriety came later though. Like we were together. Was that together? The the sobriety came together? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So we went, we both went sober together. Yeah. Once we decided we were going to become a monogamous couple, the sobriety was necessary to that journey together. Yeah. Like, because... We both had these addiction issues. We both um, had trust issues and other things. And the sobriety was the only way to navigate a relationship one-on-one monogamously together Yeah, and have the trust and have the love and be able to do that. And you've been together five years? Five years. Yeah. Yes. What's in the future? What do you where where would you be in five years if your if you were changing your career, developing your career, which you're constantly doing new stuff? Right. So as you as you're doing that, would five is five years going to be down the road going to be very different for you, or what do you see? Yes, uh, and that's stuff I'm already started working on, and that's uh, I've already uh, started a side business called Scott Free Entertainment. So what I'm going to do is obviously uh, start booking other DJs and bring other people into the fold. With Scott Free Entertainment, it's going to become like an umbrella for my event planning, which will become the more next level, where I'll have a team of DJs and artists and other people that I will have hired and working with. And I can do multiple events on the same night. Just being my own DJ, doing my own events is great for now. And I'm doing very well. But in order to get to that next level, I have to to grow that. And to to grow that, I think, is through managing other DJs. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of all my connections that I have, I can get new DJs into locations that maybe aren't uh, the doors aren't open for them yet. Yeah. Um, do you see yourself mentoring other DJs? Uh, you know, I mean, there, there are DJs out there certainly that have their own style and have all that. Right. And maybe you, maybe you go out and you bring in, uh, now I have somebody who does this style or th- this kind of DJ, or uh, do you also see, you know, they can't have Brad Scott, but they can have somebody who uh, has worked under Brad Scott. That'll be where Scott Free comes in, right? Because it yeah. will have my name attached to it. Right. So if you're booking through me, that's going to give you the guarantee that I've already sort of um, validated these other DJs. Okay, yeah. So I, I have mentored some DJs, and I have a lot of the young ones that come to me. And we either practice together, we, okay. they ask me for advice, things yeah. like that. On, But I always tell them too, like that what's going to make them special is being unique. Yeah. So So I can, so it's not about being another, right? Like you don't want to become a clone of me. Yeah. You know, because you're going to lose yourself in that. Like individuality is what makes DJs more marketable. Yeah. You know, I I don't think there's any other DJs like me, especially in the Lehigh Valley. And that makes me stand out. Right. You know, so, and that's what I tell the younger ones too. Find your identity and be true to yourself. Good. Yeah, that's great. So producer, uh, event planner, uh, and, and DJ, because I can't imagine you ever stopping that. Right. 
but uh, to expand the business and and grow and, and have a bigger entity. Yes, producing tracks is and doing remixes is, is the next evolution as well. So in that sort of uh, in the growth of the entertainment business, it will be learning to uh, produce my own tracks because mm-hmm. that's the only way I'm going to get Brad Scott's name out there in the ether in the world outside of the Lehigh Valley. Yeah. Because there's a lot of DJs that are just playing other people's music, but you get booked at those bigger events by playing your own music. Yeah. And so you, you actual music production, digital music production. Music production, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, you know, I, I don't know if I ever mentioned this or not, but my younger son uh, is a digital music producer. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's very into that. I mean, you know, what does he put? He hasn't put out a lot because he's, you know, he's been at it for 10 years. Oh, wow. And uh, I keep wanting to him to talk to you about that. But yeah, he's been, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he works on it constantly. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's something he really enjoys and that's what he wants to do in the future. Uh, it's interesting that you're, you're heading there and doing more of that yourself. The, with, with um, you, I, I see these posts from you and I, I never seem to have the time to listen to them, but they, you're putting up like, uh, a set oh my my bi-weekly radio show yes, yes i have a so what's that 60 minute sundays right it's a bi-weekly radio show on uh underground collective radio which is a i think it, it they're based out of the uk and it's a dj collective of djs across the globe and they have a roster of djs and a 24-hour a day uh stream and I have a bi-weekly show that is one hour long and I get to just make these mixes and put them up there, which allows me also the freedom because I, it, again, it's not like I have to make people dance while they're listening to my radio sure. show. So yeah. I get to play a lot of different music for those. Most of those typically are like more of my dark synthwave music. Mm-hmm. That's typically what the show is. Yeah. Uh, and I have a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. So going back to the digital music production, what, what do you need to learn to do? What, I mean, where are you? Like, how do you, how do you go about that next phase? <laughs> so for me, the problem, like I, I have the tools to do it. I mean, I have the equipment and the software. For me, the 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 challenge is sitting down at the computer for hours yeah. to like do it. Like there's a process that these guys go through and like the amount of time and attention that they spend at the computer is uh, overwhelming to me. So mm. there's this next hurdle that I'm trying to like get through which is um, I, I have an attention span problem, <laughs> so, okay. especially when I get on the computer. Like I just, I get to the computer and I sit there to do work and then I become kind of overwhelmed by it. And then my mind drifts and then I'm on my phone and then I'm over here and then I'm, so the challenge is to like sit there and focus and get a start. So for me, I am going to try to work with some other producers and sit down with them so that they can help keep me focused yeah yeah oh great well it it sounds like you have a plan it it sounds like you're working hard and working 
many different ways. Hustle is real. Yeah. Hustle is real. Yeah. Uh, I think we've covered this all. Yeah. Uh, the you. whole Brad Scott epic. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still a work in progress and he's still trying to, uh, he's learning that he needs to take a deeper dive internally to, and figure out how to answer a lot of these questions too. Mm -hmm. But isn't that, that's part of the journey. Sure. I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap it here. Okay. Thank you so much, Brad. Thanks, uh, Mark. And uh, we'll see you soon. Yes. All right. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening to Hello Easton PA. This is Mark Nutting, hoping that you'll stop by again to find out more about your fellow Estonians. Have a great day.